Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Okay, welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host, We've been doing this now for 15 years, or we're starting this on our 15th year. So we're really, really glad that, you know, the start of, if you're listening to this, 2022. Unfortunately, Kathy is under the weather, like we know many, many people uh, are right now with uh, uh, Omicron. So um, sorry that she won't be with us, but she, you know, sends her regards. And like I mentioned, Kathy and I have been doing this for so long uh, here with Voice America and Leadership Development News, what we focus on is what can you do to be in the top 10%. Everybody wants to be in the top 10% if we knew how to do it. So our focus is to point out some of the tips, the tools to help you and your team, if you lead a team, or maybe it's your family, to be in the top 10%. And we're focusing on our idea of, of... What is emotional brilliance? In the moment, what do you do in the moment that separates you? We all have crises, things going on, uh, you know, especially now with the Omicron variant uh, being more highlighted all over the world. So in the moment, how do you respond to your team? How do you respond to your family? How do you uh, deal with yourself? We know that emotions are even more heightened. Stress, there's a Stress in America study that tells us that 40% of people are experiencing anxiety. 44% are more sad. Maybe we've lost someone with, with COVID or you lost your job. 39% of people are angry. And about 75% of us feel that we could use more emotional support. So we hope on some level this will be emotional support uh, for you. And this idea of emotional brilliance is in the moment we want to help you expand, improve, and select the best competencies and strengths to master the moment. It all happens in the moment. So the more aware of you are the input of the moment for yourself and others, situational awareness, the better you're going to be for your output. You know, we always try to get uh, key people who can add to your learning, add to your success. We're really, really excited to have Joseph Joseph O'Connor with us, and we'll bring him on in just a a moment. But let me tell you a little bit about Joseph. I'm excited to hear more from him. He's an author. He's an international executive coach. I think he's talking to us today from Great Britain, but we'll see. Uh, He's a coach. He's a trainer. And he's also the founder of Neuroscience Coaching Center. So he is an advocate and a a coach around neuroscience, which is obviously a topic that I'm interested in. So as Kathy, we all are. Um, You know, what can we do knowing more about our brain? He's also the co-founder of the International Coaching Community. Uh, It's one of the best known and respected Uh, He's one of the best-known and respected coaches and coach trainers in the world. He has an interesting background. He was a professional musician where it was clear that success was 
much more than just being good at what you do, you had to give your best at, at the right moment. And so this idea of emotional brilliance, you know, um, my son's a, a musician, and you can't make a mistake. I mean, and one mistake in the moment can throw you off and can throw uh, anybody you play with. So we'll, we'll kind of tap in, into that and hear Joseph's experience of that. He's the author of 19 books in 30 languages on coaching, training, neuroscience, sold a half a million copies worldwide. So we really have a, a, quite an expert here. He follows his two great interests, giving coaching training and courses on creative uh, and also on creative nonfiction writing. So beyond his writing and coaching, Joseph enjoys enlightening audiences with fascinating insights about how our brains actually work as opposed to how we hope they do. So we're looking, Joseph, welcome. We're looking for some of those insights today. So thanks so much for being a part of our Leadership Development News. Well, thank you, Riley. It's, it's great to be here. And uh, I guess you're phoning from a, a sunny morning there on the, on the west <laughs> yeah, coast. Yeah, where are you from? Tell um, us where you're, like, what's it like now, <laughs> where you are. We're, we're in a, a chilly, dark evening just outside London in the UK. Okay, great, great. Uh, Give us some sunshine, and uh, I'll yeah, give you some well, I'll try to do it with a little smile on my face. Maybe you'll kind of you'll kind of hear it or feel it through the uh, lines here. So thanks so much for yeah. being a part of this. And we always kind of start off getting a little bit of background into kind of what makes you you. Um, what have been some of your most important uh, influences and influencers in your life? Whoa. Um well, quite a few. I guess the first one would be my father, certainly. Um, my father was an actor. He did a lot of TV, film, and, and uh, stage work as well. So it kind of brought me up in, a, um, in an environment where there were always interesting people who were performing, as it were, in public and were sometimes uh-huh. larger than life. And um, he, he also wrote books, uh, so it, we had a, you know, it was quite... Uh, quite normal to have um, a lot of books around the house and quite normal to, to write books, as it were, in my childhood. And uh, he was also a guitarist. He played guitar. He taught me first the guitar. So wow. um, I guess that, um, that certainly made a difference uh, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. Uh, I mentioned, you know, my son's a, a jazz guitarist. And uh, uh-huh. I kind of I usually tell a story. When he was 11, we took him to his first... Uh, uh, lesson. He and I started together, and the instructor, teacher basically said, you know, you got to practice 15 minutes every day. So I was good for about a month, and then mm. he he uh, kept going. So I was part of his landing crew, you know, grounding crew around that, probably like your dad with you, but then he took off. Mm. You know, he flew, I stayed, I stayed grounded, so I'm still grounded. Mm. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's great. And have you and have you played professionally? Uh, played guitar, yeah, sure. I was um, I was professional classical guitarist for many years, and oh. um, I, it was it was it was great. First of all, because it taught me to. There's two aspects to it, right? There's the actual skill that you have right. and that you build up by practice, but then if you're going to make a a living out of it, you've got to have those performance skills as well. In other words, you've got to be able to produce those skills at the right time. You know, most people can mm. play a reasonable riff in the privacy of their own bedroom, 
but to to play it you know with a uh, hundred or several hundred people in front of you all listening in dead silence <laughs> when, yeah. when it's a classical piece of music and there is only one right note at any one time right. then this puts a considerable amount of pressure that's quite different and uh, I, I remember when I was when I, I, I taught a lot as well, and I taught some very good players. And I was used to uh, get them into the studio. They'd take out the guitar. I'd ask them to, to practice a little, you know. And I'd go off and uh, get a, say I'd make some coffee or get us some water or something. And I always would listen at the door while they played alone. And uh, they would play beautifully. And, and then that gave me the what they could, what they were capable of, as it were. Because the moment I walked into the room as the teacher yeah. and said, you know, well, let's start, let's play. And yeah. invariably, they were nowhere near as good because of that kind of internal pressure, that kind of inner right. game that we put ourselves into. Right. So that, that was always very interesting. So I always reckoned uh, the, the, the better the player in terms of skill, the more I had to put into the mind game, as it were, the inner right. game of performance as opposed to the skills because it you know in, in the time that I walked into the room and they started playing they had exactly the same skill they just couldn't use it <laughs> so this is beautiful let me let me if we can uh, kind of pick at this a little bit and then we'll also get into the, the questions that we have for you so yeah this idea of you know that we talk about Kathy and I about emotional brilliance and you know it's kind of a takeoff of emotional intelligence in the moment like what yeah, to perform, and like you said it beautifully, um, every note has to be right. So what were some of the mental skills as a performer, and I'm sure that'll, that'll relate to what you and I both talk to when we talk about performers being leaders, what, what did you do to prepare yourself to step into that stage? Like what, what, any kind of rituals, routines, you know, that, that I'm sure transfers to the people that were coaching. Yeah, well, I had I had several. Um, I think the the first one is you've you've got to do your work. You know, you've got to do your practice. You've got to actually the whole point I think of any technical skill, whether it's public speaking or playing guitar or, or whatever you like. Um, the 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 whole point of practice is to be able to do that skill without having to think about. It. You know, this idea of performing in the moment. Um, all of us our performers and when we go into organizations and talk about what does someone need to, to do emotional intelligence helps in knowing your competencies helps because you know like Joseph saying what are your strengths you always want to start with strengths and then what are the things that you need to practice more of what do you need to do to basically um, you know become your best and we know, you know, starting off this year, everybody has goals, things to start off with. You know, if Joseph comes back, we'll ask him a little bit about the neuroscience of, of goals. But what is it that you really need to focus on best? And when I'm in organizations, one of the things that we talk a lot about, it's so much easier to have a B player be an A player. The distance is not that far. So... Ideally, starting this year, what are the goals that you have? So we're going to go to a break. We'll see if we get Joseph back, and we'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned to Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you. 
Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We've got Joseph O'Connor back on the line. A little uh, uh, issues, I guess, overseas there. And to get here and see more for Joseph, one of his uh, websites, and we'll get more from him, is www.coachingthebrain.com. And so we'll make sure we'll get all his contacts if you can connect with Joseph some more. So before uh, we got interrupted, Joseph, you were talking about your rituals and you know, being a performer, being on stage. One was do the work. And and kind of get ready, you know, so have the practice behind you. So, what else are some of yeah. the rituals? Yeah, yeah. First, first question, of course, is do you deserve to to succeed here? You know, if you've done your done your work, done your practice, then that's fine. But of course, uh, when you're performing, it's a completely different matter. 
So what I used to do is make it even more difficult for myself in my practice so that when I came on stage, um, I was used to, as it were, um, being able to perform under pressure. So I used to play with the radio on. I used to play uh, without the music. I used to play with a friend whispering in my ear as I played. Oh. Things like... Um, you're not very good, are you? You know, oh, you're going to make a mistake here. Be careful now. Oh, this is this is a really difficult part. So, <laughs> kind of getting my friend to externalise that um, that internal voice that will attack us sometimes when we're trying to give our best. And by externalising, of course, I was able then to practice shutting it out. So I made it more difficult for myself. Um, so that's huge. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Uh, before, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I talk to people a lot of times about their self-talk, but to actually get a friend to say that to you while you're practicing, um, that's huge. And I think we know from performance, you know, the more that you're learning and practicing in a similar state of when you're actually delivering the performance, you know, we all learn and kind of in our nice little protected environment, and then we perform in a different environment. Yeah. So the more that the yeah. performing environment is similar to the practice environment, uh, that's really great. I love it. I love that. Because normally, normally what happens, of course, you never get a chance to try to deal with those internal voices until you're actually on stage, and then they start. So if you can, so, if you can get over it first of all, and really make so what it do you say to yourself. that voice? I mean, because this is really helpful, you know, to to all of us. Like, what do you say? Because well, a lot of times it's 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 nonsense, and if we pay too much attention to it, but like you know, there's things like, and I'm sure you've heard you, you, the internal voice. You have a rubber band on your your hand, and you just distract yourself by flipping it. But what do you do, you know, to quiet that, muffle that? Well, the, I mean, the, it helps to practice with it in, at the beginning. You know, like I was yep. saying, you practice uh, without the audience, with somebody actually saying those, those, exactly those sort of things that are going to put you off. And then you get a practice in being able to deal with them and shutting them out. Um, okay. Because, you know, musicians are... They, it, you develop your listening skills, but a really important part of listening skills is the ability to delete stuff. So uh -huh. you can be good at deleting stuff, and one really good thing to delete and just not hear is all of those internal voices that tell you this isn't going very well. Yeah. And if you can delete that, that, that really makes a difference. So you're not trying to deny it. You're not trying to resist it. It's like, oh, yeah, there it is again. Okay, well, we can deal with that. Yeah. So that's a little bit, you know, of kind of accepting that it's there and it's not going to get in the way. I'm, I'm putting it in the background. So yeah, that's what right. do you put in the forefront? Right. Oh, well, what you put in the forefront is your intense attention to what you are doing in that moment. You know, in, yeah. in the case we're talking about, it was playing the guitar, but it could be coaching, it could be... Uh, giving a sales presentation, consultancy, talk to the board, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. You've got to be there and as much, you've got to get as much of you there as it possibly can because, you know, 50% of you isn't going to cut it. Yeah, that's great. And then I think you said during a break you had another, another thing about kind of a ritual that helps. So we got do the work, practice, you know, and then a beautiful uh, sense of what you're talking about, how to practice, you know, with some of the obstacles that are happening in the performance. What else? I think there was one other thing you mentioned. Yeah, the, um, 
those are things you can actually do, you know, at, at the time specifically for performance, but a practice of some kind of mindfulness meditation every day just kind of yep. calms the mind. Right. Um, it's a bit like, you know, one of, one of those uh, kind of snow globes, you know, you shake them up and it's got a little winter scene. <laughs> Maybe you don't have it on the West Coast, but it, it kind of shakes up the snow and um, you, put, you put it down and then it gradually settles. Well, that's a bit like yeah. your mind when you're, when you're doing anything like this, you know, it's, it's all swirling around. Now, right. if you do some kind of meditation practice, it just gives you a baseline of much more quiet and peace to be able to go from, and I've, I've always found that extremely helpful. And, and do you have a practice that you do daily? Yes. Yes, I do. So, Joseph, I've been, I've been uh, doing a, a practice, you know, since I've been uh, 24, which has been now you yeah. know, quite, a, quite a long time. But you, what you just said is exactly when I talk about mindfulness to others is about that paperweight with the snowflake scene. So ah, uh, that's beautiful to hear. Cause that's the exact no. same thing that I experience and I share with others. That all the flakes are, the, are your thoughts settling down. It'll get shook up again, but you have a little bit more resilience. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Ah, that's cool. Um, so say a little bit about kind of where you are then today. We got some of the background. We tied in some of the performance stuff. Like, where are you today? What kind of work do you do? You know, um, what kind of clients and that? Yeah, well, I, I do a lot of things. I I, I like to, to to try my hand at different things. I, I've I've been a, uh, a trainer, a coaching trainer. So I train coaches uh, all over the world. Just wonderful because I get to see these really wonderful places, meet uh, really interesting people there. Um, I haven't done so much traveling in the last couple of years, unfortunately, but um, that, that's great. So I'm still doing coaching training. I do training in systems thinking as well, uh, systemic thinking uh, in business and um, how to, for managers and, and uh, how, to, how to kind of run the business with systemic principles. That's very interesting. Right. I do individual coaching, um, uh, executive coaching, um, just historically, for no particular reason, I seem to have um, got a practice of executives from financial industry and also from energy industries, which is fascinating. Okay. So that's really interesting. And I, I keep writing, and um, I'm actually writing a science fiction book at the moment, just a little bit different from anything yeah, else. from the nonfiction, huh? That's great. Um, now, do you have a coaching school? Is is that one of the things that you, that you have? You, you talked about the ICC, I think, up in the front of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, my wife and partner, Andrea, and I founded uh, the ICC International Coaching Community oh, way back in 2001 um, oh. when we were living, living in Brazil. And um, it's, a, it's an international organization, membership organization of coaches. We have 16,000 at the moment uh, in, I think, about 60 countries at the last count. So um, it's, it's wonderful to have that kind of community because that's a really important word when we were thinking about how to, how to do this because a community is a group of people that's drawn together by values and wanting to be together rather than just kind of being together by virtue of having done the same thing. And that's always right. been very important to us. And, and then with the uh, international coaching community, 
um, people can kind of find that just with that name, International Coaching Community. Yeah. And Absolutely, internationalcoachingcommunity.com. Okay, internationalcoachingcommunity.com. Is there ongoing training then? Let's say if someone gets certified and then they can still have some more ongoing training, like new courses. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, There's quite a bit of ongoing training, and and at the moment, as uh, you mentioned already, I'm doing neuroscience uh, coaching training, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, we mentioned something, then we'll get into the neuroscience stuff. Um, Yeah, yeah. Almost about the same time, I've been on the faculty of a coaching school since 2001, when you guys started the international coaching community, it's called the College of Executive Coaching, and so have been mm-hmm. doing that. You know, so now, um, you know, over to, over twenty years, and then doing a lot of supervision and stuff for for coaches. And Kathy, uh, my co-host with this, and she's part of the faculty also with the College yeah. of Executive Coaching. So yeah, that's great. Say a little bit about kind of your the interest in neuroscience. I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, I'm obviously interested. Most of my clients are. How did you get interested in then kind of where maybe as we're zeroing in on that, I think given the start of the new year, I noticed on your website that it may lead into the neuroscience of goals, which mm-hmm. everybody's at least thinking about that. <laughs> Probably many of us are, aren't going beyond the first month or so when you have all these goals, but you may be able to shed some light on that. So maybe... First, the kind of interest around neuroscience and kind of where you are with that, and then we can maybe zero in on the practical side of neuroscience of goals. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> neuroscience, it's about the brain, and, and uh, we all have one, and it's fascinating and uh, kind of, you know, runs everything for us. No no decisions are made without the brain. And uh, so it's a, it's a fascinating uh, a fascinating way to to go into coaching, I think. And and three years ago, three and a half years ago or so, um, I'm I'm looking for gaps. I'm looking for what isn't there. Um, in the same way that you know, when you're coaching someone, you hear what they say, but you also look out for what they don't say. It's like you know the the dog that barked in the night. What was what was unusual about that was the dog didn't bark, right? So you're looking out for things that that you would expect to be there, but actually aren't there. The gaps in the in the the client's narrative, the spaces between the notes and music, whatever it might be. Mm. I, I'm always interested in that. And at the time, there was not a lot going on in terms of neuroscience, which I thought was odd because you know our brain kind of. It's a rather important part, <laughs> generating our subjective experience and our psychology. Right. And uh, I certainly knew that the researches in neuroscience, which have really exploded in the last 10 years or so, right. uh, were starting to tell us that the way that we thought we thought wasn't actually the way that we actually thought. <laughs> You've got to look right. at how the brain works to, to find that out. So I actually went to New York and I... Um, I did a brain scan because I wasn't, I was, you know, start with yourself, right? So yeah. I wanted to see what was going on there. I wasn't ill in any way, but uh, I, I really wanted to see what this involved and what I could learn from a brain scan and what I could learn about neuroscience and how my own brain worked, etc. And I found that was fascinating. So I went away from New York with a, with a set of brightly colored photographs right. <laughs> of my brain of my brain in action and a lot of very interesting ideas which uh, got turned into the book coaching the brain 
practical applications of neuroscience to coaching a couple of years later. So, and that was really interesting to write because writing a book forces you to integrate and find out stuff that you wouldn't normally do. And it forces you to make sense of it and do all the hard work so that the reader doesn't have to. You know, it should be oven ready, as it were, for the reader. And there's so, yeah, so much now. It was, it was fascinating. Yeah, as you're saying, there's so much now, you know, around neuroscience, and 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 I think as we are, you know, bringing this to the coaching um, students that we have, you know, who are going out there and spreading the word, you know, that's always so fascinating. You think about it's it's everything's invisible, you know, where if there's physical body if something's going on and you have other other things you can see it or you can feel it in the brain you know it's probably one of the the few things that no one really knows what's going on in there and it has such (laughs) an impact like you're saying Um, so uh, one of the things that I'll share this maybe after our our show uh, I have a, a blog on psychology today and I'm always interested in thinking and I just wrote uh, an article about uh, stinking thinking, and it kind of gets into that most of us don't like to think. And now with <laughs> our, absolutely, you know, yeah, and it's it's too hard to think. And now yeah. you know, with everything being smart, your smartphone, your smart car, your smart home, we don't have to think that much. So our brain gets atrophied. And I think for us as coaches, this really is a uh, value proposition. Why people need coaching because we don't have the time to think deep on anything, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think it's uh, with artificial intelligence, it's only going to get worse. So let's yeah. put a pin in that for a moment because I do want to kind of get back to the part and we'll come back to that around anything that you, that your neuroscience of goals, I'm trying to pair this so that, you know, beginning of the year when people may be thinking about that, any tips, tools that has been helpful that you're passing on around the neuroscience of goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it's that time of year, isn't it? Um, yeah. Goals, New Year's resolutions. Um, I'm, I'm not a great believer in, in New Year's resolutions, although I know it works for many people. Um, because I, it's... To put it to put it in its extreme form, the the person that you are on the thirty first of December is not the same person who wakes up on the first of January. The person who works up on wakes up on the first of January often doesn't really want to know what the person of the, of the last year wanted. Um, they want something else. So there's that. Um, it's almost like you you have to speak for your future self in order to do these. Um, these resolutions and that that doesn't work a great deal i i've always found that in terms of of setting resolutions um or or goals like that goals are a little bit different because they're more specific uh either um i've been inspired at a particular time and it doesn't matter what what day it is or what year it is it's like hey it's time to do this it's definitely time to do this and you you just don't argue, you know. All of you is right there behind you. And, and you do it, and then there's no problem. And the other thing 
that uh, I think many, it's kind of neglected very often when we talk a lot about goals, 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 which we then define really quite specifically, is direction. What direction are we heading in? It's, it's almost like, you know, the goals can be the interesting, shiny things on the journey, on the path. But right. where's the path leading? You know, what's the direction that we're going in? Right. Um, okay. Just from the metaphor of, of football, you know, you score a goal. And, and yes, we want to score a goal. And, and you do a lot of tactics to do that. But what's the game? You know, what game are you playing? Why are you, why are you scoring goals? Right. And, and uh, you know... <laughs> What's the point, as it were? Is the trophy worth it? What trophy are you heading for? And, and uh, yeah, we can develop that metaphor, but um, that's, that's the way I'm kind of thinking of it at the moment. Okay. And so um, how does that tie into what you know about the brain? And I'll just say a little bit and then pass it back to you. You know, I know from, from goals and, and from coaching, the, the more that we can get their ideal and where do they want to go, you know, it's going to create energy, you know, and it's almost that, that visual map as you're talking about where do you want to be, you know, we can ask them what does that look like, but often I think people are already kind of picturing that in their brain where it is, and mm-hmm. so that can have some of the magnetic pull, and like you're saying, the goal, it's not enough, but it, it certainly gets the energy going there. So what mm-hmm. else would you say, you know, from the neuroscience standpoint? I mean, one is that energy to get to it, but the idea of kind of keeping it in focus, you know, is there any other thoughts or tips you yeah. have on that? Well, the, I think there's, there's several things here. It's an interesting question. I think one is that you've got to make um, goals very sensory. You've got to feel there. Like you said, you've got to imagine yourself there because if you can do that, you're engaging those parts of the brain, and there's an awful yeah. lot of them, that are to do with the body, you know, that run the body. That uh, right. the arms, the legs, the, the sight, hearing, um, even smells and tastes. The more that you can involve that kind of visualization, we call it visualization, but it's more than that. Of course, it's just uh, it's a, it's a whole body picture, as it were. The more you can do that, the more of your brain gets involved, and the more strongly uh, that'll be reinforced. So I, I certainly think that's one thing. And the second thing about goals is that they are they're an example of creativity. You know, we, we talk a lot about creativity um, as a kind of almost sometimes as a separate subject and something special and maybe only certain people are, and et cetera, et cetera. But the brain, all, our brain is naturally creative. I just know it is. I've seen it all my life. We are just brilliant at creating things. We do it all the time. And sometimes the, the question is not so much the goal, but the actual practical steps in order to get from, from A to B. Right. So that's something we certainly cover a lot of in, in, uh, in coaching the brain with goals. And then the third aspect, which really is really important, although um, it's not goals as such, is the motivation, as you said, the energy that's involved in getting there. Because... This, this is an amazing world. I mean, it's an incredibly fascinating, beautiful, diverse world. There is so much to do. And you just haven't got time to do it. So you've got to make some choices. There are some things that you, you will want to do and put your energy to, towards it. 
And there are some things that you might like to do, but you're not going to be able to. And that's going to be governed by what's important to you, by your values. And those values are backed emotionally by your emotions. And that's what gives you energy. That's what gives you motivation, emotions, motive power. It's all about movement. Right. (laughs) Because that's what gets things done. So those would be three things that come to mind, first of all. And so just to kind of summarize that for our folks, maybe just give that again, one, two, and three. Just oh, well, yeah, I mean, first one is, is involve, the, involve your senses and think about it in a sensory way because and the brain is visualization the kind of does that. Yeah. Uh, so imagine it in a very sense. Right. Sensory way, yeah. Secondly, creativity. We're very creative. Um, we just, you know, allowing the brain to be creative. It does do that. And then there's a different sort of um, process that's involved in. Okay, how am I actually going to accomplish this? Which right. is more pragmatic. It's the difference yeah. between the creative writing and then the editing that goes and you know actually mm. gets the thing into some okay. kind of shape. Yeah. And then finally, the energy, the motivation, the values, the priorities that that will say, "I'm going to do this rather than this." And sometimes, well, I think the other paradoxically, piece I was thinking about I just, just to, you, yeah. you just mentioned is sometimes you know, we're thinking about goals, what do I want to do. Uh, along that line is, what are you not going to do? Yeah. You know, so, what are the things that you need to stop doing? Because there's only 1,440 minutes in a day, and so I think helping people. Goals are, are good, but you've got to create space. And so yeah. are there some yeah. things that you're not going to do? Um, the other part mm-hmm. around the creativity, and given you're doing you know, so much writing and the, um, you know, the new book that you got going, is what's your thoughts? Because I talk to people a lot about, and going back to what we talked about a little earlier, that we don't like to think and we're so kind of reactive. Just having reflective time where the mind wanders. We're so much in the executive functioning piece, the prefrontal cortex part of the brain, and, Mm. you know, uh, stimulus response, stimulus response, stimulus response. Mm. Can you, what's your thoughts about when the mind just wanders where you can let things percolate, and I think that's where some of the creativity and stuff comes up with. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, just to just to pick up what you said, because I thought it was really important. Um, there are some things you won't be able to do, and being able to say no to some of those really interesting things sometimes right. uh, is is absolutely essential to getting done what you want to get done. Because you know it's the old story: the people who are good at doing things are the ones who get asked to do even more things. So uh-huh. you've got to be careful there. Um, Yeah, so reflective time, yes, I think that um, certainly executives, one of the things that executives seem to value the most from a coach is just that ability, just that time to sit back and go, hey, I don't have to prove anything here, you know, I I can just take some of those things that I've been doing and I can can look at them uh, without that rush and and tumble and, and... pressure to actually do something quickly yeah. and I don't feel that it necessarily time to, to be able to do that and just to talk things through and to bring in 
what's important to me and to let, as you say, my mind wander around and as we were saying before, the mind being extremely creative, will come up with some interesting ideas given a chance to, um, to wander around a bit more freely. So, yeah, absolutely. At, well, at I the same God. time, I think it's... Uh, just, just one more thing at the end of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. There is... Um, we got time? To, yeah, yeah. Just to finish that yep. thought, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a circuit in the brain called a default mode network. Uh, and that's the circuits that are kind of uh, active when we're daydreaming, doing nothing in particular, um, you know, just chilling out. But um, this isn't particularly a good place to be in terms of creativity because it's very self-centered and it's very uh, not, it's not action-oriented, it's not goal-oriented. So it's kind of the daydreaming, the either the daydreaming or the nightmare type of stuff. So it doesn't lead anywhere particularly. So you've got to be a little bit careful about that and make sure that um, when you are giving your, your mind some space to, to roam and be free, that it's a kind of nice, <laughs> a good, good area, good playground, good theme park, rather than just uh, some uh, not such good surroundings. So some of that is, you know, um, I'm thinking about as you're saying that, you know, how do we help them get the right surroundings? You know, we're kind of going into the leaders and stuff that we coach um, mm. in their in their mind. So, are you saying with a default mode network that uh, you know that kind of monitoring is it getting into uh, an area that's not productive? And if so, how do we kind of pull it? You know, pull it back because that seems yeah. to be kind of yeah. one of the critical you know pieces there. And you know, so. Before you answer that, Joseph, we're going to uh, take a break, and we'll, we'll be right back. So you're listening to Leadership okay. Development News. We're having a fascinating conversation with Joseph O'Connor. Come right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice 
Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. And uh, the website that Kathy and I have, I hadn't mentioned, is emotionalbrilliance.com. And we have a free ebook about the 11 reasons why you need emotional intelligence. You know, we've talked about that a little bit on the show here with Joseph. Um, but if you're interested in that, you know, go to the website, emotionalbrilliance.com, and then slash academy, and you can get that free ebook and a bunch of different tools and stuff that we have. Our book also, Emotional Brilliance, is now on Audible, so you can get easy listening to. And for more information on Joseph, we mentioned uh, www.coachingthebrain.com. So, Joseph, before the break, we were in the space about how to actualize that mind space of the default mode network, and, you know, we're all under so much more stress with the Omicron, uh, you know, how it got activated so fast and and given what I said earlier about all the emotions, um, say a little bit about that space. How do we actualize the space and make that, whether it's default mode network, really work for us? You know, or maybe a bigger way of saying, how do we make the neuroscience really work for us in that space that we don't get caught in obsessing about things? Yeah, yeah so it's a really important point, isn't it? Um, I, th- I think... If we, if we talk about the default mode network, there's probably not a lot of value there insofar as it does tend to, to concentrate on us completely. Um, and this is also the network that tends to get activated when we ruminate, when we kind of, uh, you know, give you an example, some, something bad happens, you know, a, a client uh, cancels a meeting. And then if you're not careful, the default mode network springs into action and it's oh they didn't like my presentation oh dear that's not going to be very good and they're going to tell their friends and then i'm going to lose business and you know you spiral down and down and Uh down into that and before you know it you know you're out on the street and there's you know there's a lot of bad stuff happening at the moment that's giving plenty of uh, plenty of food for thought as it were um, for that sort of network, and it's not nice food at all. It's, you know, it makes you sick. So it's a bit like um, if I if I con- would contrast that the, the default mode network kind of ruminating circuit 
with um, something that comes from meditation, where you're, you're observing, you're accepting, yeah. but you're not getting drawn into it. It's like the, the phrase, a train of thought. You know, we all have trains of thought, but we don't have to get on them and travel them. We're on the station. We're on the station platform, and along comes a train, you know, marked <laughs> financial ruin. <laughs> you don't have to get on it, you know. Right. You can let it go past. You can see it. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Off it goes. Along comes yeah. another one. Oh, yeah, interesting. Off it goes. And, yeah. and so you you become a, a train spotter, as it were, of of your own thinking, and you only jump on those that you really want to jump on to, that you really think are useful and interesting and will lead somewhere that you want to go. And this stops an awful lot of stress because for the brain, those um, imaginary scenarios where you are, um, well, where things are really bad for you, you know, you've lost money or you've lost your job or whatever it might be, bad things, those are real in the brain. They evoke real anxiety, real fear. Um, you know, just a simple example, uh, <laughs> no one much likes going to the dentist, and certainly I don't, and, and I can have a dentist's uh, appointment in a week's time, and I can start thinking, oh, dear, I, you know, I, I hope it's going to be all right. Supposing they want to... to Oh, supposing it's going to hurt, you know, supposing they have to do, suppose, suppose, suppose. And those supposes can make you anxious, yeah, in exactly the same way as real things can. It's, it's still real to the brain. So this is what can activate those kind of circuits of anxiety. And it will stress you in the same way as if real bad things are happening. Sure. So that's why it's really important to be able to distinguish between that sort of being caught up in those sort of ruminations and being able to just say, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. not real. Yeah? It's not real. Um, we can... It, we can dream ourselves onto a, uh, you know, into Hawaii, and uh, that's great. But it's not real either. <laughs> it's just more nicer to think about. That's all. Uh -huh. So this is again where meditation helps a lot because it helps to calm to calm that mind and practice it anyway. And I think uh, that's so well uh, stated. So to kind of put it out in front of you, you know, it's a lot of the key words that now kind of this idea of looking at the meta cognition. So stepping back and looking back at what my thoughts are versus uh, my thoughts are facts, you know, or mm -hmm. because someone said it and therefore it's true. And we don't really evaluate that. And like we almost mm -hmm. get, it's almost like a vacuum. We get, we suck it up versus keeping it out in front of us. So that meditation mm -hmm. really gives you that practice to look at your thoughts. And then I think it's important about, okay, what do you do? What questions do you ask yourself? If it is something that's kind of vile, Okay, what am I going to do about that? What's most important for me right now? How am I going to handle that? Those are all positive questions that can help get more positive responses. Yes, so, absolutely. With that, with the idea of stress going on yeah. and yeah. people manage their emotions, and I know, mm. you know a lot of times from coaching, you know, I may get referrals for somebody who has a hard time managing their emotions. And, and you know, people are looking at them and a, a few times of acting out or something not being aware, the meta-awareness, not being aware of what they're saying and doing can undermine their career. And so this whole mm -hmm. idea of managing impulses uh, 
self-control. What are some of the things that you, that you lean on to help someone, you know, ma- manage those going back to what we said in the moment, you know, they're about ready to say or do something that's just kind of dumb and it's not going to help. So how do they, how do you help them kind of manage those moments? Yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, when you talk about emotions, there's lots of, there's lots of them. And I guess we're mostly talking about fear and anger here as the two that we, we want to avoid fear in terms of stopping us from doing stuff that that we you know would be good to do and anger in terms of doing stuff <laughs> that wouldn't be good to do right so, okay. uh, i think there's two two sides to that but i mean certainly the, when you think about emotions from the brain it's it's interesting i think it's important to know how you know what you're talking about um, when you talk about emotions when we talk about emotional intelligence and emotions are triggered in less than a fifth of a second you know you can't stop feeling it if there's a trigger there you can't control that part of it it's going to manifest boom there it is now then you're aware of it that's the the little sliver of of choice time where you go okay hold on a minute (laughs) there's a train passing (laughs) really interesting one going really fast do i jump on it and that's the moment where you can go, okay, there's an energy here, especially with anger, tremendous energy. What am I going to do with this? Am I yeah. going to just, you know, explode and, and, uh, and not use it in a good way? Or am I going to use that energy in a way that really accomplishes something for me and for other people? Because anger is energy from being frustrated from getting a goal. That's the... the the core of anger we want something and something is stopping us you know you notice a a toddler baby when they're not allowed to have the toy that they want anger immediately so it comes from obstruction frustration but then that energy you know we can use rather than just let it blow off in anger so i think that's that's important thing to to remember that you can't we can't, we can't control the the emotional feeling as such. It's there. It's just going to be there. But once it's there, you can you do have a moment to choose what you do with it. So, Joseph, um, we're going to have to kind of wind this down, but uh, yeah. this is really fascinating, and I want to make sure that people know your book, Coaching the Brain, and you know the the website. Is the same, coaching yep. the brain. Um, thank you so much for some of these tips, some of the things about as we're starting the, the new year around the goals and, and uh, you know, just your ability to articulate some of this. I love some of the visual metaphors. You know, maybe people, the takeaway is, is this train's in front of me? Do I want to get on it? And where is it leading? And, and hopefully yeah. to say, you know, I think I'll let this one pass. This is all the things I'm talking I, th- yeah, I think yeah. that's well, a great one. It's been a pleasure to, to be on the show. Thank you very much, really. Yeah, you're really welcome. All right. Thank you. And this has been Leadership Development News. Tune in to tune up your performance. We'll, we'll catch up with you on our next show. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. 
Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.